For the Colts, 23 seconds left. Colts down by a point. Three receivers to the left. Ryan throws down the near sideline, looking for Alec Pierce. He's got it. Touchdown! Touchdown! Alec Pierce spikes it into the end zone. Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! A 32-yard grab over the shoulder snag. Alec Pierce, 32-27 Colts. The call, the throw, the catch, certainly one to remember for Colts fans yesterday. I thought the crowd was outstanding from an energy standpoint, loud standpoint yesterday. I felt like they had a little bit of hostility with how this season has unfolded so far, and they brought it, and the Colts delivered for them, especially in that critical moment. Jake, that's the aggressiveness of Frank Reich that I think players love in that moment. A lot, a lot of coaches would have ran the football. Philip Lindsay up the gut for minus totally. two yards, but yet Frank Reich had belief in his quarterback, belief in his offensive line, and belief in Alec Pierce. And Matt Ryan had belief in Alec Pierce to make that decision. And I know someone tweeted us earlier, Jake, like what happens if that ball gets intercepted? I think that's a pretty high percentage throw for it either to be completed or honestly it's incomplete like that that's got to be a hell of a play by the DB to pick that ball off and I think Pierce has earned the right that you throw it up there and honestly Jake based off how early parts of the game went I was when the ball was in the air I was expecting a flag the I think the biggest win for the Colts yesterday aside from the obvious was after the game when Matt Ryan said when Frank called that, and I heard it in my helmet, I'm paraphrasing here, I trusted Alec could make that play. A guy that is six games into his National Football League career, and you already see the trust and the comfort that Matt Ryan had in Michael Pittman. I think part of why Pittman is important and Alec Pierce is important even for a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan, who has, you know, yesterday surpassed Dan Marino on the all-time passing record in terms of yardage and is clearly in the twilight of his career. But even still, for a veteran quarterback like that, everything is about rhythm. It's like I've always said, I know it's a bad analogy, but I've always said it's just like when you're playing horse with your friends. And what I always say, if the shot's not dropping for you, you get yourself to the free throw line and you take a couple of free throws to get yourself back in rhythm. It's all about rhythm. And in the case of Matt Ryan, the significance of a Michael Pittman Jr. is that it's not about always getting the home run pass. It's about having a receiver, a big target, that in rhythm, it quick drops and throw is going to be right there for the quick 8-10 to 10 yard boom, 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 boom play. That gets a quarterback in rhythm where then they can say, okay, now like let's go. And when he says, okay, now let's go because I'm in rhythm and I feel comfortable, then boom, 
Now I've got a guy in Alec Pierce that I know I've just got to get it in the vicinity. Now he put a ball. I mean, Matt Ryan put up through a perfect ball while getting hit, you know, but, but Alec Pierce is, is emerging himself as a guy that he's going to win that battle. We just have to keep defenses honest on when we're actually going to go to it. You know, it's interesting, Jake. And again, we'll have Alec Pierce on tomorrow at nine 30, um, you know, a ton of friends of mine, you know, they're asking, hey, you know, fantasy drafts are coming up. Well, you know, what are your thoughts on Alec Pierce? The thing that I always thought Pierce would be able to give you, n- not to this quantity so far, but I thought the play we saw yesterday, I felt like would be there for him. Now, I thought you would get maybe one every other game. Now he's starting to do it every single game. And yesterday, and this seems to become the norm. Jake, if you just throw the ball in the vicinity, DBs are panicking now. Right. And he's drawing flags. And those are huge flags. Those are spot flags. I mean, those are big, big plays that Pierce has given you, not just those catches. So I guess that's where his kind of greatest strength as a rookie is such a big play moment for you. His greatest strength, you know, Reggie Wayne, great possession receiver, Jake. Well, to really feel Reggie Wayne's impact, you needed, you know, seven, eight catches for him throughout a game. Alec Pierce, you just need one or two, and yet he can change the game in such, such a quick moment. Listen, we've got to give a tip of the cap as well to Paris Campbell because he has been um, much maligned. He has been mocked. I, I, I can't say for you, Kevin, but, you know, I have – I don't know that I've, you would say that I've ever shredded Paris Campbell, but certainly had almost written him off. Certainly as a deep ball receiver, I had – written him off and you know is he now your possession or your two or three guy again one game does not a season make but you have to be encouraged by what you saw yesterday they just had a balanced offense and kudos to Paris Campbell for being a part of that yes seven catches for him yesterday Um, he played every single offensive snap he actually played more than Michael Pittman 57 yards for Campbell and a great effort on the touchdown really good effort great the athleticism involved in that's pretty amazing uh, let's head back to the phone lines. Chris wanted to talk about Matt Ryan getting some blocking. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, great win. Uh, that's what happens when uh, Matt Ryan gets protection. And my question is, why don't we go down and we get down in the red zone, go with either a two tight end set or, or maybe all three tight ends and just chuck it up? What do you think? Well, they certainly chucked it up to Jelani Woods. Um, yeah, Mo Alley Cox, Jake, I, I believe you started him in fantasy. And I did. The big goose egg for him. So you went back to Mo Alley Cox? Well, here's the problem. With Mo Alley Cox, I had put Mo Alley Cox on waivers to try to get another player, and I did not that player was selected in waiver before Mo Alley Cox uh, excuse me. The player that I that I was trying to get was taken by someone else. So Mo Alley Cox stayed on my roster, which was an uncomfortable conversation I had to have with him, but I did. Um and then my primary tight end was on bye yesterday. So I'm like, oh boy, I, I had not made a move to get another tight end because that was my one week of biting the bullet and starting Wally Cox and big goose egg for him. I do think too, but I had Hawkinson as my primary tight end and he was on by. I I do think to Chris's point, um, what Jelani Woods is starting to put on film, what Pierce is starting to put on film, Ali Cox. I frankly, I just don't think is you, you can put in that group yet. Um, you're still waiting for it from Pittman, but. There's just too many big pass-catching targets for the defense to double-team everybody. 
And at some point, you're just going to throw it up Correct. to these guys. And again, they're going to draw penalties. They're going to draw flags. I mean, Wood certainly got away with one yesterday in the end zone. But just that physicality, I think it's just tough to deal with. And when you get into that part of the field, I do think it's something you can tap into even more. I mean, I, listen, you have to be happy with – give Chris Ballard credit here. They've got a couple of players that have really shown themselves here that that are guys that he went out and found in the draft. I mean, Pierce obviously you know, sliding back to make that pick. Jelani Woods has played well. Probably – would you agree that Jelani Woods at this point, Kevin, has exceeded what you expected of him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Jelani Woods right now is playing at the level that we anticipated out of Moali or hoped for Moali Cox, right? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And Kylan Granson continues to give you something on those crossers and a little bit of post-catch. I know he had a big fumble. You know one area that the Colts are really good at? Recovering their own fumbles. The beats the alternative, <laughs> right? Um, I think at one point yesterday, was Ryan Kelly the one who pounced on the Kylan Granson fumble? I think it was. The Colts have fumbled 17 times this year and have recovered 13 of them. <laughs> We lead the league in recovering our own fumbles. Very good fumble luck for the Colts. Fair. That was a big hit Kiki Kuti took yesterday. Hey, was that a fumble? He got lit up on that punt return. And he left her, right? Yeah, but he walked off. But, yes, concussion out. Bobby Okereke had a hand injury, played through that. I think he was your leading tackler yesterday. Him and Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed. A huge fourth down stop. Yeah, he was big. On the Trevor Lawrence option. Huge fourth down stop there. He was big. Now, college football-wise, by the way, how about – I want to give him a little bit of love because things are starting to open up a little bit. I know that that Syracuse game is one they'd like to have back. But how about Boiler Up, right? Jake, they are just – they have so many – Guys that they can turn to offensively. The fact that they found Mockaby here, he's been huge for them with the injuries at running back. We saw Payne Durham a couple weeks back. And Charlie Jones. I mean, you talk about the transfer portal and how big that was. And Tyrone Tracy as well, but certainly Charlie Jones. Him and Aiden O'Connell, I know their relationship dates back to high school. They have such a connection. Someone tweeted at me over the weekend. I thought this was interesting. If it was 1995, where would Aiden O'Connell be drafted? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, he he's he's played his way strangely into that conversation, is he not? Oh, he's going to have but a career. It's just he, a, he'll have a career in the NFL. You think so? It's just such a deep quarterback year. Right. I'm not acting like he's going to be a you know one of the first five or six QBs taken, but um, I mean, if, did you see who Carolina's quarterbacks were yesterday? Yeah, how about that? Jacob Eason got in for five plays, but he did throw a pick, right? P.J. Walker and Jacob Eason. It's the Colts. Literally, I thought I was watching the Colts in Cincinnati in preseason game number four, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, speaking of quarterback news, Jack Tuttle announcing that he will transfer from Indiana at the end of the year. God, I forgot about Tuttle. That, so that, so he'll be at school number three, right? So him and Bazelik, right? They were in the off-season competition, and then, yeah, Utah and... Michael Penix throwing for 460 yards for Washington over the weekend. Has he's, he put himself into the NFL conversation? put up some huge numbers He has, man. Huge. Be Indiana at Rutgers coming up Saturday at noon. Purdue and Wisconsin, that is a 3.30 kick from Camp 
Randall. All right, let's head now to the Payless Liquors hotline, and uh, the Pacers will open up their season on Wednesday night. That'll be against the Wizards over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It's kind of a, a unique start of the year in that uh, you will play your first three games all at home. It'll be the Wizards Wednesday, the Spurs Friday, and the Pistons Saturday in a really cool giveaway that they will be doing around town today. And to talk more about that, Danny Lopez, the VP of External Affairs and Corporate Communications, is with us now. Danny, fill us in on how Pacers fans can get involved in the action they will be loving to hear about today. What's happening, guys? How are Doing great. How are you? Uh, yeah, it's, it, I'm great. I'm, I'm just impressed you guys got my title right this time. So that's good. <laughs> well, that's good it took me about six minutes to get it out, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun today. So, obviously, opening week. You know, the start of basketball season in, in Indiana is always a special time, so we're really excited. I'm actually standing in Gamebridge Fieldhouse right now watching the load-in for Carrie Underwood tonight. we got Lizzo tomorrow, but then on Wednesday we start the basketball season, and it is uh, it is going to be a lot of fun. So we are going to – I can't give away too much about this promotion today, but we are going to be around town, central Indiana, participating Kroger's. The players are going to be out. We're going to be giving away $25,000 worth of gift cards, gas, groceries, mm-hmm. um, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. We'll be trickling out the information on social media throughout the day. Uh, but in order to know the locations, so it's all happening around 5 o'clock, and in order to know the locations, you got to download the Pacers app, and then we're going to drop that information after 4 o'clock on the Pacers app so you'll know where to go. Okay, so how many different locations will there be, or is it just one and you've got to have the app to know that one? There will be four locations around town. Gotcha. Four locations around town, yeah. So and, the and so app is our only app. way to find out. The app is the way to find out, and yeah. you know you're going to need the app anyway when you come to house because you know digital now, and so the tickets are all on your app. But we we're trying to push people to that and make sure that uh, that you get it, so you know how to pick up that gas and the groceries and visit with the players. We'll be signing autographs, taking pictures. It's going to be a lot. Of- Looks like I know what I'm doing at five o'clock today. Now, Danny, the other thing too is with the Pacers app, if you've got that to get yourself into the Fieldhouse this year to watch games, uh, not just four locations in terms of like the Kroger locations where the players will be today, uh, but there's actually like 46 different vantage point locations for people to watch games at the Fieldhouse. Now, I'm exaggerating, but the renovations pretty much completed in terms of everything. Uh, for people that are going to the games and like the bar and hospitality areas within the field house itself are pretty darn cool. Correct. Yeah, they are awesome. I mean, people have been watching this trickle out for the last three years. We are essentially done. We've got the Kroger sky deck, the standing room only bar up in the West balcony. That's uh, left to be completed. That should be done by Thanksgiving. But aside from that, the inside of the building is done. Uh, like you know, we've opened it up. I'm, I'm looking at the sunlight coming in from downtown. You're getting some incredible views of the skyline. Um, awesome bar spaces, really new uh, new concessions that are checkout free. I mean, the the technology in this building is unbelievable. It already was, as you guys know, the best building in the NBA. But now you've you've made it state of the art for a new generation of fans. Plus, you've got all the incredible artwork uh, that we unveiled last week that is really, really just really cool pieces, nostalgic pieces. So a lot going on in the field house. And, uh, and when people come in, it's just going to be a brand new experience. Yeah, definitely some really cool artwork. I was um, fun to see last week. Okay, Danny, before we let you go, uh, where are we at in general on ticket sales and how much have you guys seen that Bally sports package that you're offering? How much, um, I guess, ticket packages did you see from, from that? 
Yeah, you know, people are really excited about that because I think that, that was obviously, um, you know, as there's an evolution away from cable or, you know, most of our fans still watch uh, the team, get to watch the team on cable. But Bally, you know, with the Bally Sports Plus, uh, you, you can now stream the games. And people have really gravitated toward that, which is which is really nice. Um, so, and ticket sales are good. There's still some tickets left for opening night and beyond. It's a gold out opening night, so you're going to get your gold T-shirt when you come in here, your, your revved up T-shirt. But, uh, but that's Pacers.com slash tickets. But there's still some tickets, but it's filling up, and it's going to be a great crowd on Wednesday. It'll be great crowds over the weekend. So we're really excited about the start of the season. Danny Lopez, again, Vice President for External Affairs and Corporate Communications at Pacers Sports and Entertainment on the Payless Sigurds Hotline. Uh, Danny, again, everybody needs to download the Pacers app. Four o'clock today, they will find out the four locations where players will be at participating Kroger's, and then they have a chance to get involved in $25,000 worth of giveaways from the the players at those four Kroger locations that will be announced at four o'clock, correct? Yes, sir. That's right. That's exactly right. So come out and see us. Come out and visit with the players. We'd love to have you out. Danny, thank you as always. You guys are the best. Thanks. Danny Lopez day. right there. And we're hoping to have Rick Carlisle on tomorrow again. Alec Pierce. <laughs> Kevin going to furiously us. downloading the app to find out where Benedict Mathurin At might 930. be. At 930. Wow. Part of me thought the gasp, but then part of me did think, you know what? Rosie and Mather in a picture. <laughs> Hopefully it goes better than the Rosie Pato Award picture back during that qualifying. Did, and you said she was screaming in the Pato Award yeah, photo, right? Very, that bottom lip is really far out, you know, <laughs> in that picture. And now, what about Santa and Easter picks? Ooh, No. No go there. <laughs> really? No, no, we don't. Uh, Kringle and Rosie do not get along. How about the Easter Bunny? Now, we did do the pumpkin train over at Allisonville Nursery this past weekend. What an awesome now, day for I'm that. I'm walking around at uh, in Oxford, Mississippi. I'm an old Miss on Saturday. I'm walking around, and my phone suddenly blows up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> blows up. All these people, what, what does Pat Sullivan have against you? What did you ever do to Pat Sullivan? Why is Pat Sullivan talking about you? And I'm like, what is going on here? Um, and so then I texted Pat Sullivan and just said like, Hey, like, were you like, were you joking about me on the air? Like what's going on? Oh, I texted the wrong Pat Sullivan. He writes back. I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So then I texted you. Now I'd like to know, I wasn't here to defend myself. So what do I need to defend against? I I just think Pat was just joking a little bit about our morning show. And Mm -hmm. I think Denny Smith came to your, to your defense very quickly. I would expect nothing less from Denny, who's the nicest human being on the planet. Calls and wishes me a happy birthday every year. Uh, it was a great day over at Allisonville Nursery. To be honest, I You're don't still re- being vague about what I, Pat said. I don't said. remember exactly what Pat said. I was, you know, veering off into the pumpkin section. To Did see you not if, defend me? Well, I, I wasn't on the air to offer an opportunity. Ah, yes. Okay. I was simply shopping after the gotcha pumpkin train experience and yeah pat Sullivan did have a few joking comments tongue-in-cheek i believe pat's a very dry humor kind of guy I, that is an accurate statement and i encourage anyone that has not done that pumpkin train oh it's, sure, it's an unbelievable. awesome awesome experience over there at allisonville nursery all right uh let's do our fan tweet of the game before we get into our conversation with jeff saturday coming up here in about five minutes so again mark sends this out after every single Colts game, in five words or less, how would you describe what you just witnessed Colts-wise? <laughs> what, you just, what you just witnessed. A few of the ones that stood out to me. How about this from Steve? Reich and Ice rolling dice. That's a good one. How about this from Chris? Really? Ryan not sacked once? <laughs> Brian, offensive line played with pride. Corey, the correct offensive line combination. (laughs) 
Bob, wins are bad for future. I didn't think there's a segment of the fan base. It certainly is with Bob on I that. I mentioned that earlier, and everybody killed me. Uh, Jake, this one from Colin, and I think this is, I don't know why he didn't tag you in this. He goes, nips are pierced right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, hey, if, if, if you've got sore nips. Uh, this from Eric. I liked Eric's here. Maybe there is a chance. <laughs> yeah, I did like that one. <laughs> That's pretty good. John Colt somehow over 500. It is kind of crazy that they're three, two, and one. This one is a question from Jeff. Receivers prove Ballard was right? Question mark. Again, did we forget about week one and week two? Veteran wideout have helped you out in either of those games. I think the offensive line is the theme from. from oh, without here, question. Right? Without question. Outstanding performance, and fittingly, we'll have Jeff Saturday on in about ten minutes to chat more about that. Let's do a morning checkdown. We'll get Major League Baseball out of the way first. Yankees-Guardians, a game five after Yankees defeated Cleveland yesterday 4-2. So the winner will advance to the ALCS where Houston awaits NLCS is set. That is Philadelphia and San Diego. College football from this past weekend. It was Purdue beating Nebraska 43-37. Indiana had a lead for over half of the fourth quarter. Um, to his little brother, the quarterback from Maryland, he gets hurt and Billy Edwards comes in and just runs it right down IU's throat and the Hoosiers let one get away, a big fumble late. Um, so now IU really desperate for bowl eligibility. They will have to win at Rutgers, at Michigan State and beat Purdue at home. They could do that. To get to a bowl game. They could do that and I could play Augusta National. <laughs> no way. Now, see, if I say that, everybody kills me, right? Oh, negative, negative, negative. You say it. It's funny, right? The hell? What do you think the odds are of IU winning, getting to bull eligibility? Probably about like you playing Augusta National. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Sadly. Very sadly. Uh, Notre Dame got smoked as well. We don't need to harp on that. Yesterday, the Colts 34-27. They changed their approach coming out of the mini-bye week, realizing full well their offensive line has issues right now. How do they offset that? By going no huddle from the start of the game. Here was Frank Reich on the heavy, quick-tempo approach. I really wasn't worried at the beginning of the game when we weren't scoring and they scored a couple times. We, we were talking on the sideline. I could feel we had a rhythm on offense. I, I felt like the no huddle, even in those first couple drives, was doing what we wanted it to do. But it was our first time really doing it. So I just felt like it was a matter of time before we get it going and wear them down and, and get some points. A brilliant, a brilliant move by Frank Reich, um, especially trying to find a way to I think, kind of like stay on schedule, stay out of the obvious third and longs, that short passing game, I think made up for a lack of a run game. Um, and Matt Ryan got into a great rhythm. And Jake, I think any quarterback, when you're able to get into a rhythm like that, now all of a sudden that throw to Alec Pierce at the end of the game, you feel confidence. You feel confidence in your O-line to hang in there. You feel confidence to live that, deliver that ball on the money. I think rhythm is the key word there, right? and just allowing a guy to, to to start to get a feel for things. Other winners yesterday, by the way, in the National Football League, of note, if you will, uh, New England over Cleveland, 38-15. That puts the Patriots back at 3-3. Three and three. How about the Jets at 4-2, and two, Kevin? And I feel like they're winning in a very, like, San Francisco way. I bring up San Francisco because Robert Saleh, their coach, came from there. It's not like they're winning with Zach Wilson throwing for 350. Correct. They're winning ugly. 
The number I, I mentioned this earlier. This is interesting to me. Quarterbacks yesterday. It's a passer friendly league. Do not get me wrong, okay? But yesterday, Marcus Mariota, 129 pass yards and a win for Atlanta. Um, you have Zach Wilson, as you'd mentioned, 110 pass yards and a win for the Jets. Kirk Cousins yesterday, 175 passing yards and a win for Minnesota. The number of quarterbacks that we saw that from yesterday, it is Daniel Jones, 173 yards and a win for the Giants. Pittsburgh yesterday, obviously, you know, Kenny Pickett gets hurt and goes out after 67 yards. Mitchell Trubisky just 144. Pittsburgh gets a win. Interesting day yesterday in that regard for the quarterbacks around the league eagles stay undefeated they now head for a bye week out of the bye week they have steelers at texans commanders and then they come to lucas oil stadium after that commanders game which is on monday night football short week lucas oil stadium will the eagles be undefeated if the eagles come to indianapolis undefeated they will leave here with a loss will they be undefeated probably they will get their first loss at Indianapolis. Write it down. I said it earlier this morning, 7, 10 a.m. That is November 20th, a 1 o'clock kick between Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich. Nick Sirianni, a little different sideline demeanor than Frank Reich. <laughs> he dropped um, some naughty words, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep, yep. Certainly a word, which no, knowing Nick Sirianni, not shocked by that one. But all of Frank Reich was quite happy, uh, as he should have been, when Matt Ryan found out Pierce for that game-winning score yesterday. Okay, Jeff Saturday, he joins us next here on Kevin and Corey. Talk about a far different tune with our next guest than we've had to start the season. Jeff Saturday is with us right now. Jeff, 58 pass attempts. The Colts don't allow a single sack. That's pretty rarefied air, not to mention for a group that's been um, – certainly has had its issues to start the season. No, absolutely. And listen, that's, that's a really good group that they, they blocked against. I mean, they gave them a ton of uh, five-man fronts. They were trying to single up and get an edge, and then they brought some uh, overloaded pressure. So I give a ton of credit not not only to the offensive line, but to the backs that picked up uh, blitzers in the inside and to Matt Ryan, not not holding the ball, but realizing when a play was dead to either get rid of it uh, or, or try to step up in the pocket and make something happen. But, uh, you know, sacks don't always go to the offensive line, and neither do, do the days like this. It was it was a really really well executed game on all those fronts, Jeff. It seems strange to say this about a guy, you know, who is surpassing Dan Marino in career passing yardage, but even with that, with that level of experience for Matt Ryan, does a guy like Matt Ryan need? Did he need that no huddle to just get in rhythm and kind of let the feel for the game? come back to him after obviously some disjointed play the first couple of weeks. And I, I definitely think he did. And, and listen, I, you know, I think you saw the Colts plan from the very beginning. I mean, you know, when they come out, uh, they weren't going to try to run Jacksonville out of that, that five man front where they try to cover uh, the guard center and guard, but they were going to throw it out, which puts a lot of pressure and trust on the quarterback. And I think to your point, uh, you know, Matt, that's about as comfortable as I've seen him, um, not only in his drops, but in his awareness of where to go with the ball, like the ball coming out on time. Uh, and then when there was pressure, he did a really good job. I, thought, I think the last two weeks, I honestly, have been his two best of stepping up into the internal portion of the pocket and delivering it. And so to your point, a guy who's played 
forever. It doesn't always come naturally to guys. Sometimes it takes a little time, and I think he's finding his way in this offense. I think you saw that yesterday. Jeff, what did you like about no huddle when you guys implemented it? Oh, man, rotation of of D linemen becomes very difficult. So you're trying to fatigue them. And then also the alignment, like the amount of things that they can do to you, they can't surprise you nearly as much because they have a certain personnel group on the field, right? So you you, you see which linebackers are going to play what position, where they're trying to put guys. It just clarifies everything. You really see it extremely well now that also limits you a little bit offensively because you can't do as many packages and as many exchanges as you do normally but I'm telling you it simplifies it from a defensive perspective and then again that fatigue on, on pass rushers having to put their hand in the dirt and then go turn and chase the ball uh, those guys get they, they get tired and you bec- you become much more efficient passing off games understanding where pressure is going to come from and then trying to uh, uh, try to exploit where they are weak Okay, I want to expand a little bit on what you just said there. Again, Jeff Saturday's with us here. You hear him after every Colts game right here on Kevin and Query. What, I guess, would be the cons? What would be the hesitancy? You, you did mention maybe it limits you know, your personnel groupings, your playbook a little bit. Why don't you think we see teams tap into it a little bit more frequently? Well, because you – right, so you know the group – the way the NFL works now is if you run a personnel group off the field – and then try to run a guy back on the field, and the defense has time to adjust to your personnel, right? Like guys are guys are running back and forth, and they're making sure, you know, the, you know, back in the day it was you're catching twelve on the field all the time. Guys are trying to, you know, sneak guys in back and forth. But but to yesterday's game plan, you're you're limited in how much you can do. So you know if you're if you have a two tight end formation in or two tight end personnel group in, you're going to run with that grouping. So what you know, no matter how many different ways you're going to try to move. The those guys around those defenses that's how they predict what you're going to do right that's your tendencies that's what you show so you become a little bit more boxed in with what you're going to try to accomplish and so now it's about exploiting what you know which matchups you can take advantage of and you saw Pittman you know time and time again drive forward come across over in the middle you know you because you know you have a good matchup whether it's on the outside or whether it's on the, uh, or on the inside you're looking for matchups now as, as, as opposed to looking for defenses or coverages as much. It becomes more of an ISO game, and I know I'm getting really into the weeds of football, but it becomes an ISO game where I'm looking at, hey, who do we match up with? Yesterday, obviously, we liked the Griffin matchup, no matter who was going against him. So we're going to, you know, Ryan's going to look over that way. Hey, who's, who's keyed up? Let's see what we can get on this route or this concept that we're going to run. But, again, it simplifies not only your offense but your personnel groups, but it does the same for the defense. I loved it as a player. Listen, you saw us run it. I mean, we ran it a ton in Indy when I was there, and it was because we believed our guys on the field were better than those guys. So let's go play 60 minutes with our best and see if they can keep up. Jeff, when you watch film around the league, just kind of off the top of your head here for Jeff Saturday, what percent of the time is – on the field is what's taking place being predicated or based on the offense setting that tone and the defense having to adjust to it versus 
the defense setting the tone and the offense having to adjust to what they're seeing. Does that make sense, what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say 70% is off, is predicated off offense. Okay. and um, Yeah, you have very few defenses that can really dictate to an offense. So, and it's a great question, Jay, but like, so the, re- the reason I was telling you about like that five-man front that they run, right, that Jacksonville wanted to run. So you really have two options. When they when they line up into what we call like a bear or a double eagle where the two guards in the center are covered and then you have two pass rushers on your tackle. So that's basically five D linemen versus five O linemen. And, th- and that's not counting the linebackers that are going to be behind that. Well, you either – you know, so you know you're going to have one-on-ones if you're trying to run the football, which is really difficult in the NFL. But it, all, it gives you an advantage if you can protect it because now they have five guys rushing and only six guys in coverage. So d- defenses try to dictate to you by putting those packages in. Uh, you'll, hear, you'll hear defenses call it like NASCAR packages, which are, you know, pass rushing type defenses. Or, and you used to see it like Rex Ryan used to have and Vic Fangio. You know, they kind of junk it up. You don't really know who is who. Guys are standing up and kind of walking around. But that's really – that's that 30% I'm talking to you about. But the other 70, it's really about the personnel groups that you're bringing from an offensive perspective and the alignment that you're placing them in. And then the defense makes adjustments because they have X amount of gaps that they have to cover based on what you're bringing in. So the the Colts themselves with this particular unit, Jeff, with Matt Ryan and Pittman and Taylor, do you find that they are the ones setting – the tone at about the same clip as the rest of the league, or are they behind the pace there a little bit? Uh, They're probably behind a little bit. Teams have played us for the majority of the season in taking away Taylor. And so what they, what they basically decided to do was we're going to stack the box. We're going to, we're going to really make it really difficult on this, this offensive line to create gaps. You know, we're an inside zone, outside zone team, right? Like that's kind of what you're based in. It's not a gap scheme very much. It's really kind of you're going to give the ball and you're going to press it front side and try to get it backside. And so what teams have done is exactly what I'm telling you. They've lined up in that five-man front a lot or bringing extra linebackers down and saying, hey, we're going to force you to beat us on the outside and we're going to force Matt Ryan to beat us and we're going to bring pressure packages so you can't sit back all day and do it. We're going to try to bring one extra or at least make five-on-five or six-on-six block and see if those guys can hold off long enough for Ryan to make it. I think yesterday was the first time that we really continued to take a defense out of what they wanted to do, or really two weeks, the last two weeks, even though we didn't score a lot of points, but that we dictated to them, hey, we're going to do it this way and, and you know, kind of, kind of come hell or high water, this is what we're going to execute in. And I think it's benefited us in, 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 um, you know, in winning those games. Jeff, I'm going to give you um, an observation. I want you to grade me A through F, okay? Like, if this is the dumbest thing you've ever heard, that's an F, okay? Gotcha. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a wonderful talent, no question about it. But for this installment of the Colts offense at this point, the most important player on the field for them is actually Michael Pittman Jr. because he allows Matt Ryan a safety and comfort net, but also everything then draws off of the attention you have to give to Pittman in the passing game, which is allowed for Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell as well to start to show what they can do. Your thoughts. 
Yeah, D. I'm giving you a D. <laughs> I'm not going to crush you, with it, but I'm going to I'm going to give you a D. Here, here is what I would tell you: when if Taylor was used as they're using the running backs yesterday, I mean, obviously the injuries have really hampered, uh, you know, both of our backs, or, you know, the, the kind of two that we expected to be. But what you saw yesterday, especially in the pass game, screen game, quick game, whatever however you want to phrase it. Getting Jonathan Taylor the ball or, or that those touches in his hands, he's probably the most explosive player you have because of the position the, and, the, and the matchups he's going to get, right? At some point, it didn't happen a lot yesterday, people are going to take out or going to try to take away Pittman from you, and now where, where is your go-to, right? Is it going to be Paris Campbell? Is it going to be tight ends? You know, what is it going to look like? The problem for trying to do that against a running back is you can align him at all different points of the formation, and it's really hard to do that. You get him singled up, whether it's with a linebacker or with a safety, you can move him around and use him, whether he's catching balls in the flats or over the middle, and, and use it, whereas opposed to when you have a guy that's, you know, a Pittman who had an incredible game, but a lot of it's happening outside the numbers. You know, you try to get him inside to get him some different looks. It's just more difficult to do it. That's why you see receivers, when if they catch the ball, you know, six or seven times, it's a good game. Like yesterday was an anomaly, right? I mean, that's an incredible day. And, and look, hats off. Pittman's a freaking beast. I'm not taking away from him. But it's easier to take a receiver out of the game plan than it is a running back. And so I would tell you our offense needs to continue to run through Taylor and, and, and through Naheem whenever, whenever these guys get back. But those guys have to be the focal point and then allow these, the other three to contribute when possible because you're getting those man-to-man matchups. Jeff Saturday is with us here. Again, recapping every Colts game with us. Jeff, um, the play call by Frank Reich there to go for the win, not settle for some 48, 50-yard field goal. What did you make of that decision and, and the risk of, you know, maybe a sack, maybe a holding penalty I mean, that, that wasn't just some foregone conclusion that it was an easy pitch and catch between Matt Ryan and Alec Pierce. No, I loved it. Look, man, I mean, he, he yeah, listen, he, he's an aggressive play caller anyway, but I loved – I mean, he, here's the thing. I didn't think – I thought it was feast or famine, and, but I didn't think you were going to lose much, right? I mean, you kind of knew where you were um, – but you had been going to the guy all day and being successful. So why, you know, why not at some point go challenge him? And I, I, I think it was the second. I think it was second and twelve or second and thirteen to play right before it, um, where where you know it was kind of a dangerous pass over the middle. I did like if you're going to make the challenge, it be outside the numbers where it's pretty much you don't catch it or the ball gets knocked down. You know, it's not like you see a ton of you know, interceptions outside the numbers, especially late in games because of the way defenses are having to play you. So I thought, look, if you are, if it's a calculated risk. You know what I mean? So if we're going to risk it, let's risk it outside. Either we catch it or nobody catches it. We try to kick a field goal. Uh, but, man, look, he was, you know, Ryan was hot. He was putting the ball in great places. The receivers were making plays and making plays after the catch. I loved it and was happy it worked out the way it did, obviously. Jeff, last one for me. What did you think of uh, Dennis Kelly sliding in there on the third series and then sticking at left tackle for the rest of the game? Thought he played fantastic. Look, I just went back and watched it, uh, you know, the all 22, and and uh, I, I, I counted one iffy. But other than that, man, the guy played as well as, as, as could be expected from a guy coming off this thing. He locked down. He is very physical. I, 
I think I was I was surprised a little bit of the anchor that he had out on that edge. I mean, bull rush didn't really affect him. Plays really smart. Did a nice job passing things off uh, with he and Q out there. So I was really impressed with his performance and and thought that it looked uh, looked really really smooth that exchange on that left side. Doesn't it make you wonder, Jeff, what took so long to get him? I mean, I know that Dennis that he was a little banged up, but. You know, once it started to work out and things kind of came together for that line, didn't you kind of wonder, like, why did it take so long for them to give him uh, some run there? Well, no, I, I think they expect. They, they listen. I've been to I've been to the facility on fifty six, whether it was in OTAs or in training camp this year. They liked him. He, he wasn't practicing. Like, I mean, when I was there, I didn't see him suit up one time. And so, um, I, I, you know, the expectation was once he finally got healthy. He would be a a uh, a key contributor, whether he was a starter or a backup. I think was to be determined. But man, like like I know Strauss that they, or, or Chris Strauss or their offensive line. I know he liked him a lot coming in, and so did Ballard and Frank. So you know, I, I didn't expect him to come in the third series and do what he did. But man, the guy came in and, and locked it up, and to, to come off the to come off an injury like he has and be battling the way he was. He's a very smart player and, and understands the game extremely well. And I think you saw all facets of that kind of come to life against, again, a, a group that I think is really one of the top five defensive lines totally. in the NFL. You know, Well, I, I clearly, clearly Kelly was ready because, I mean, he had sent a tweet basically saying, like, I don't understand either why I'm not, why I'm not yeah. getting the call. So, yeah. you know, maybe they just wanted to make sure he was 100%, I guess, but obviously it worked out. Now you got to sustain it. Exactly. Now, now, now we got to show up each and every week, right? Keep stacking W's, and and again, I, I listen. I can't tell you how how impressed I have been the last two weeks. Matt Ryan, his his ability to step up in the pocket, feel comfortable doing those things, and again, like the numbers. You know, yesterday's obviously numbers were much better than than the week before. But I'm telling you, just watching tape and watching the comfort of stepping up and making plays and making throws, you can tell his confidence is building in that group in front of him. Um, but but we're gonna have to listen. We're gonna have to run the football. And again, that wasn't a day yesterday that we did that exceptionally well. We we we, we got to get our our guys back and get back to grooving. But man, if we can couple both of those things, this is an offense that. Uh, that it has, has some, some true grit and power in it um, if we can get all our pieces and parts back. Certainly the best Colts fans have felt all year about a victory in large part thanks to that pass protection, no sacks, and 58 pass attempts. Jeff, tremendous as always, and we'll talk to you uh, next Monday. Have a great week, man. You guys too. Jeff Saturday right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll do it one final time here. Kevin and Quarry on a Victory Monday.